Hi friends and welcome to another special episode of Without the Footnotes, not your typical Holocaust lecture. I just had another week's break again, I my apologies. Um, I went back to England for my sister's 30th birthday celebrations and actually didn't get home till really late on the Monday, was it Monday or Tuesday? I didn't get home till Tuesday, really late on the Tuesday night. So I just completely missed out on recording last week. But never mind, we're here now. Um, So last week saw the anniversary of quite a lot of things, quite a lot of important dates. So we had on the 9th to the 10th was the 83rd anniversary of Kristallnacht or the Night of the Broken Glass, as some of you may know it here in Germany. Um, and then also on that same day is the fall of the Berlin Wall. And then obviously 11-11, we have um, Armistice Day as well. So a lot of anniversaries last week. So this week I am 100% commemorating um, the Night of the Broken Glass and I'm going to do that by just giving you a little bit of background. I think I've spoken about it on the podcast here before, um, maybe in the first series when it's um, one of the episodes that like explains what happened like before the final solution. Um, so I will, but I will be reading some testimony from that well from the next day from that night and the next day um from people who witnessed it in different in different places so um hopefully you've all listened to last week's one where I um I read some testimony from a holocaust survivor who survived um Bergen-Belsen because I'd previously a couple of weeks ago been to Bergen-Belsen with um, some holocaust survivors so I'm just carrying on that theme a little bit Um, as we've got some anniversaries around this time anyway. So I'm going to stop talking now because I think I've just really explained what I'm going to do so you don't need me carrying on but also want to say yay Britney's free. I think uh, we should mark that in the calendar. Um, Also something noteworthy from last week that happened. So apparently the first the first like two weeks of November, a pretty big deal in history. Anyway, I'm just going to crack on with the episode. So here we go, here we go, here we go. If my voice sounds a little bit funny this week, it's because I did eat loads of chocolate just now and you're not supposed to do that before you start recording. So my apologies if I sound weird, but it is what it is. Anyway, so during the night of November 9th to the 10th in 1938, the Nazi party incited mass violence against Jewish people living in Germany, annexed Austria and areas in the then Czechoslovakia. The catalyst used to incite this violence was the assassination of a junior diplomat in Paris by a young Polish Jew. So the Nazis claimed that this nationwide violence was a retaliation for this incident. Like they were explaining it as a spontaneous retaliation across three countries. Um, So 
The terror that ensued during this night led to around 90 people, according, this is according to the Vena Library website, um, around 90 people being killed and over 200, um, sorry, 200, and over 25,000 Jewish men being arrested and deported to Dachau, Buchenwald and Sachsenhausen concentration camps. The destruction was such that the pogroms became known as Kristallnacht or Night of the Broken Glass in English due to all the shattered glass that lay in the streets following the desecration, burning and looting of Jewish synagogues, businesses and homes. So I will now read you the testimony of a Dutch man who was in Berlin for a business trip on November 10th and witnessed the destruction firsthand. And then a shorter testimony after that from someone um, in a village in Lower Saxony. So this testimony can actually be found in English alongside hundreds of others on the Wiener Library website. I'll put a link in the show notes if you would like to read some more. As ever, I would recommend that you do that because you'll be able to get a much fuller and more nuanced and detailed understanding of the scale and depth of destruction caused on that night and specifically um, how people experienced it, how people lived it in real time and the repercussions also um, afterwards. And yeah, as I'm talking about testimony, it's always um, a very good idea to, to... um yeah read or or expose yourself to different viewpoints of what happened so you can just get a fuller picture basically so yeah i'm just gonna start with the testimony first of all from the dutch man who was in berlin Okay, so this all comes from the Wiener Library website so it is a quote i will be directly reading from there um so this information is not my own but this is what has been um translated on the website so it first off it says and i quote two reports regarding november pogrom events a catholic dutch gentleman resident in amsterdam recounts and is prepared to swear to everything he recounts on wednesday he had to travel to berlin for a business trip he arrived on thursday 10th of november at seven o'clock and saw that almost all of the houses in friedrichstrasse had been wrecked shop goods were all thrown onto the street The unrest lasted until Friday morning. The police stood there and watched without doing anything. When the staff of the various shops arrived for work, most people shook their heads. Only one individual laughed. Our reporter said he had to learn from this that the best supporters of Hitler comprise the 2% of panderers in the German people. Whilst he was with his business friend in the office, news came from Cologne that the home of his Jewish business friend's brother-in-law had been wrecked and all the furniture destroyed. From a small town in Odewald, the home of his business friend's brother was completely wrecked. Ten minutes later, a third report from Frankfurt that a nephew was sought by the police. The man was able to flee in time. Our reporter had seen that typewriters were thrown out of the windows in Kronenstrasse. Fur coats were dragged away by young people. Account books were burned in the street whilst the police looked on laughing. During the evening meal, the wife of the procurist, which is uh, the company's secretary, was arrested. At lunchtime, the private secretary received news by telephone that her father had been arrested. Her brother, half beaten to death and their shop completely wrecked. Meanwhile, her father 
has been released again. The brother transported away to Oranienburg, so to Sachsenhausen concentration camp. In each police district, people were arrested and taken away in cars in groups of 20 to 25 people. The disturbances occurred under the leadership of young people aged from 18 to 20 years. They always marched in groups of three with SA boots and red cravats. The people were not satisfied when the glass had been smashed and did not stop until the last fragment was knocked out. People stole appallingly. Our reporters saw in trams that stolen shoes were cut up. On Saturday at four o'clock, he was visited by a Jewish woman who who recounted that people were being tortured to death and very many had already lost their minds. People have been wandering around for four days and four nights. The situation in in Oranienburg is dreadful. The prisoners have to rise at three o'clock in the morning and start work at half past three. For breakfast, they receive a piece of black bread and a cup of coffee. At 12 o'clock, they receive a plate of soup. In the evening, a piece of black bread again. If people had not done enough work, they were brought to the quarry. One of the SA men, who is, who is the overseer, threw his whip into the quarry and when a prisoner went down to fetch it, the supervisor simply blew up the stones with dynamite and the prisoner was killed beneath the stone rubble. Children from the age of 12 have also helped loot the shops and it is generally known that drums of petrol were dragged into synagogues. In Berlin, not one single shop remains intact, even the smallest and poorest shops. The Handelsblatt wrote that people were like rats in a trap. This example is misleading. One knows that a rat in a trap will be finished off within an hour Jews are tortured for for longer. Our reporter has gained the impression that in smaller places, the young people were paid a bonus for every every smashing up. The more malicious they were, the more they were celebrated by the party leadership. One can estimate that 10,000 is the number who have been arrested. It is not it is not at all possible to have an over and had to have an overall view of how many people have committed suicide. When our reporter left Berlin, he heard rumours that the local government there was hatching a plan for goods to still be provided to Jews. An Aryan gentleman who had been a frontline soldier told our reporter that the wartime foes had not faced each other so cruelly and cynically. So that's the end of the testimony from Berlin. And now on to the second testimony, and this is from um, East Friesland in Lower Saxony. Saxony. I'm just going to um, yeah give a trigger warning here because this is a bit more graphic than the other one that I just read. So in various villages and small towns, Jews had been shot at with rifles and revolvers. Many Jews were murdered. Others received terrible wounds. Our reporter saw how a boy of 19 who was his mother's breadwinner was thrown into the water, but he could not swim and when he crawled out onto the bank he was beaten unconscious, kicked into the water again until he drowned. Our reporter had seen many cases of mistreatment. When the synagogue burned, the Jews had to march past in pyjamas while singing dirty songs. People were brought to the concentration camps in cattle trucks. A retired ritual butcher, aged 76, was robbed of his pension. 
He was trapped in a large hen house and led through the small town. He was left with only one rice mark. All the homes were wrecked in these villages and small towns too. In some places, the Jewish teachers themselves were forced to set fire to the Torah scrolls. The Jews knew exactly who their attackers were, but each one is afraid to name the perpetrators or even their wives. So that's the end of both of the testimonies that I want to read today. But I do just want to say that what I have just read does not even scratch the surface on the violence that was inflicted on Jewish people across Germany, Austria and parts of Czechoslovakia during that night. Um, The sheer destruction is unimaginable and that was just the beginning of the violence. I mean, we haven't, we've got nowhere near the um, inaction of the final solution yet. Um, And I think that's very important to remember that... um, a lot of people that would have experienced this night would not have survived the Holocaust. So it is imperative to me that people go and read testimonies like this from people who were able to report at that time and also just take note of all the stories that we must not know and that we will never know. And I think people always ask how to kind of understand the holo- the Holocaust and how it happened and all of that kind of thing. And this is one way to get closer to that, to that truth and to build yourself a picture of what happened in very significant instances during the persecution of European Jews. So as I said, I would highly recommend that you go to the Wiener Library website and you take a look at their archive of testimony that they have Um, hang on a second and I will tell you what it's called Um, sorry I'm just going back on the website Um, well this is entitled Pogrom November November 1938 Testimonies from Kristallnacht Um, and then there you can get a historical context you can get testimonies and reports and you can take a look at the project that they've done Um, yeah they've translated Um, hundreds of testimony you can also find them in so there's about let's have a look so about 350 testimonies in English 329 in German there's 19 in Dutch and one in French Um, so those are the languages and then the locations are in the Third Reich so 1933 to 45 Netherlands Vienna as well um yeah and I would just go and have a look at that you'll find so like you'll just find so much um there's just so much stuff to discover and to read about and some some are quite short some are very long and detailed um but really yeah it's a it's incredible insight into um what actually happened and and what happened to people who lived it or even just witnessed it even if they weren't persecuted themselves directly um so yeah that'll be it for today as I said I'll put this link in the show notes for you if you do want to take a look at that and I'm not sure if I maybe I do more test meaning that's next week or I just um carry on with the holocaust throughout Europe like country by country but probably going to incorporate some um eyewitness accounts into that rather than just giving you the basic facts of what happened so I hope you have enjoyed that these last couple of episodes um yeah 
something that's very close to my heart anyway is eyewitness accounts and yeah letting you guys know about that and kind of bearing witness for the people that lived it anyway I'm going to stop going on as ever you can email me if you've got anything interesting to discuss maybe you have a family story that you'd like to share or have on the podcast um you can email me at info at without the footnotes.org uh you can also dm me on instagram is at without the footnotes i'm always open to discussion or anything if you want to be a a guest on the podcast i'm also open to that as well um but yeah that's it for this week thanks for listening guys and i will catch you next time ciao